0: Who here watched the football last night? Just give me a wave. Let's, uh, does anybody need prayer real quick? Uh, yeah, I'm not praying for you. Go Bombers. Um, but, wow, well, except for Julie, actually, wherever you are. Legitimate condolences. Um, sport's weird, isn't it? Um, so many different sports. I get ball sports. Who enjoys ball sports? I like, I like sport. I like basketball. Um, I, like, I like football. Um... I don't like swimming, but I understand swimming. Can't do it fast, can't do it well, can float, but I understand it. But there are sports out there that don't make sense. We all know them. Recently, I have been in two weeks will be attempting my first half marathon. Um, Been really pumped. Thanks to the encouragement team. Um, need it, need it. The other day I was at the RMIT, there's a track there, so a few of us have been meeting there to uh, jog and practice running. And I won't lie to you, as I was jogging, I got overtaken by a child, maybe 12 years old, a female power walking. <laughs> now let's be honest, let's be honest, in that moment, you know what I thought when I saw the power walking? I was like, how will you make friends? how will you make friends if this is your your sport? I'm not going to lie. And then as she overtook me and walked off, a smaller one power walked past me. And I thought, oh, praise the Lord, you have one friend. He has given you one. Jesus sent him out in twos, congratulations. There will be no more. And uh, I looked at the rules and I was all concerned and couldn't understand. You have to have one foot on the ground at all times. But the landing foot has to have a straight leg, and it manifests itself in the weirdest sport we've ever seen. Think about it. The sport needs so much help, they had to add power in front of it to make it legitimate. <laughs> power walking. No one ever hears race walking or speed walking. It's power walking. Walking's a weird thing. It is, it is a weird thing. My sister recently. Uh, tore her. She she was literally with her trainer. Uh, she she was literally doing a lunge like what I did before, and she tore every ligament. She tore her PCL, her ACL, and her meniscus. Tore them off. Yeah, and it was unbelievable because now she walks along and the knee just gives way. Hilarious. Um, bad, bad, bad. Please, we prayed for her. I'm believing for healing, but funny, funny too. And. um, You know, we're having a good laugh about it. She's of a similar sense of humor to me, and she's been sending me memes like, I don't know whether this is my bad knee or just the way that I walk with my swag. You know, it's very funny. But isn't it interesting that when somebody has a weird walk or there's something wrong with their walk, you can notice it? Hey, you can go, This person has a limp. Um, I have the, the natural inclination to have duck feet, you know, when you sort of walk with your feet hanging out. Is there any other people like that here? Uh, definitely. And, you, and, and that person's forever trying to live in the rotated in, but just when you're not paying attention, it hammers on out. But walk is an interesting thing. Here, here's a revelation for you. Did you know that God's people walked in the time when Christ was on the earth? That's powerful, isn't it? Write that down. They walked before Jesus too. Uh, they walked. They walked through the Red Sea. That was incredible. Peter walked on water. That was incredible. But the Bible refers to walking in the older translations the, the, uh, in a way that depicts something a little bit different. When it talks about walking in regards to what it actually means in context with what they're talking about is actually your life, and your manner. In a um, a book that I read, a guy describes the Christian walk. When the Bible talks about walking, as the manner at which we live our life, where God is leading us from where we are now to where we need to be. So the walk is about your life. Now, when you look at the New King James, you see walk all the time. But you could actually switch that word uh, into more modern translations, New Living Translation, NIV, so forth, from with walk to the word live. So the walk is actually about your life. Whenever you see walk in Scripture, it's actually about your life. If you look at it, your walk is about how you live. Your walk is actually about your behaviour. Your walk says a lot about who you are and what you believe. Your walk shows the world your priority and your priorities. Your walk shows God your desire for Him. So, really, when I talk about the word walk this morning, what I'm really asking you is I want you to assess today, as if this was a a coaching session for your walk of life. How are you living? That's really the question I'm going to say. How is your walk? But really what I'm asking you is how are you living and does it bring honour and glory to God in the way that you walk? Does your walk reflect God's glory? Are the decisions you are making helping you walk in the direction and the call that God has for you? No one has a perfect walk. But everybody is definitely heading in a particular direction. So if you sit here today and you begin to assess your walk, your life, how you are living, do not feel judged being in this room. I loved what Amy had to say. Thank you for coming from the, our East family, wherever you are. It's an absolute blessing. They're pointing. I can't find you. Thank you. Uh, there you are. Saw a hand somewhere. There you are. It was actually Gene that raised his hand. Nice work, man. You're not Amy. Um, but claim it if you need to, bro. Check your walk. That's weird. Um... <laughs> But don't be judged. No one's walk is perfect. But this is how you can weigh up your walk. You go, hey, I'm walking in a direction where I may not be where I need to be, but I'm definitely not where I was once before. Because the pursuit of Jesus, becoming more like Him, is about growing and deepening your faith. And your obedience. So when you assess your walk, it does not have to be perfect. You're in relationship with Jesus, but it does have to be heading in the right direction. And you can flip that. If you're looking at your walk today and you aren't where you once were, but you've gone further away, you should assess that today as well. And know that you're in a community that loves you and wants you to be moving in the right direction. There may be some people here today that you might be facing the right direction or you believe you are, but you're stuck. Your walk isn't going anywhere. You feel dry. Uh, you're, you're overcome by things. Then the walk needs to be assessed today because when you assess a walk, you can maximize what you are doing. Like if you think if you're walking or doing any sport with the wrong form, it increases your risk of injury. So today when we talk about our walk and assessing how we are living, how you are living, if you assess it in a manner that you begin to align it with God's will, it can actually prevent injury through obedience. You know, I'm a person I'd much prefer learn through obedience than crisis. Give me a wave. I want to learn. We're going, hey, it's hard to obey, but it's better than stuffing up. So let's pray. Father, as we come around your word today. Lord, I pray that you'll speak. pray that you'll help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Other thoughts I put here. Think about who you are walking with. Think about your friends. Think about your family, your co-workers, church community. I don't want to put a negative emphasis. I actually want to put a positive emphasis on this regard. God's allowed you to walk with some significant people, so don't take them for granted. There are some people here that aren't realising the significance that God is putting in their life. You need to take a hold of it. So with that definition set up, when I talk about walk, think about living. I pray that these some of these examples would help you. In 2 Corinthians, if you want to turn in your Bibles there, it's going to come up on the screen. In the New King James Version, it says this, and then I'll read you from the NIV. It says in the New King James, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. The NIV. For we live by faith and not by sight. The Christian walk is more about our faith than about our circumstance. I live to be faithful to the one I don't see, but I have experienced. To the one I love, Jesus, though I've never seen him in person. And I know Jesus so deeply that as I ponder, I truly live my life trusting him. And not what I see, because I live by faith and not by sight. Now, who knows that that's easy to say and hard to live. Give me a wave if you agree. You know, and I want to talk personally this morning that it is a challenge for many people in our society. Recently, and I won't share too much detail because I'm sure at some point I will, um, But not right now. But I needed a medical procedure. I won't go there. I promised myself I won't go there. I don't want it to be about that. But here's the thing. I've had a small medical issue for a couple of years. Oh, come on. I had hemorrhoids. I don't care. Everyone can know. (laughs) Now you know. You're all guessing. You're all guessing. And um, focus up here. Don't go. Look at that. Come on. Everyone's thinking. Hmm what happened is I carried this for multiple years. Then I go to the doctors multiple times and finally they say to me four weeks ago, hey, actually, you know, if you've had an issue there, we should check you for cancer. Now, who knows that the moment they put that idea out there, there's something sitting in the back of your head. Let's be honest. I was all good with what I thought I had. Look, I don't like that option and we've been waiting three years. So what happened in that moment is every time that thought would come in the back of my mind, was I going to let it rob me or was I going to walk by faith and not by sight? Because what happened is every time that would come up, I had to make a choice. How do I... Choose to live. We're going to be faced with these moments all the time. And I am learning quickly that I need to give it to God. There was things going on in my world that I did not want it to become the forefront of my mind, but rather a prompt to go to faith rather than fear. But challenges come up all the time. There are people here that need to make a decision today. How will you walk? How will you live? I'm asking you to ask yourself when pressure comes on, In your world, when work gets really busy, when there is a heap of pressure piling upon you, when those health problems are not yet resolved or are unknown, will you live by faith? And not by sight, because what you are doing is you are putting more trust in God and His power and His authority than in anything else. But there are people here. Here are some examples that I thought of. I know how busy we are over the next few months, and will I go to anxiety about the busyness or not? Interest rate rights. Uh, interest rates are rising in our community. The political world is becoming more and more complex and further and further away from God. School systems are teaching unbiblical mandates that we have to navigate as a community. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about how much work I have on and how little time I have to rest. There are more people that give anxiety to I don't have enough rest than the thought I will do what I have to do in God's strength and not my own. Because what that is, is walking by faith and not by sight. The moment those thoughts join you, this is what I do. I repeat a scripture in my mind. In 2 Chronicles twenty fifteen, it says this, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. This is what I say to myself. For the battle is not yours, it's God's. The battle is the Lord's. I had a friend of mine who recently called me really early one moment to say that his workplace had been deliberately targeted that had gone through, ransacked the whole thing, wrote things on the wall that were horrible, wedged knives into particular areas, stole computers, wrecked the place. A deliberate targeting. I was so inspired. Didn't go to fear, went to faith. I must be doing something right. Trying to love people and facing this level of opposition. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a moment. And in walking with Jesus, you are walking, trusting him, despite your lack of understanding, despite your lack of what you see in the physical. Because as a believer, we are not putting our faith in what is going on around us, but rather what we do not see. As we look at it, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, where it says, walk by faith or live by faith, We're being reminded in the context here that God's preparing a place in heaven with a new body. It's going to be phenomenal. And the guarantee, it says in that scripture, that we have received is the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. So as I ponder that and I remember that when I face challenges, am I going to walk by faith and not by sight? I remember the battle is the Lord's and I say to myself, I'm going to live by faith. Because when I stand before God, I want the peace in my heart to know that while I was in this earthly body, the choices that I made in this life reflected a life that was lived by faith and not by sight. Who wants to do the same? You know, as I pondered about it, I know that as a believer in Jesus, I already lived this way. Because I did not see Jesus as a person. I did not see him hanging on a cross. I did not see him raised from the grave. But I know him. I've experienced the guarantee that God gives us, which is the Holy Spirit. And I've put all my trust in him. As a believer, you believe that God raised him from the dead. If you believe that, you can believe God when you're busy. You can believe God when you're scared. Why? Because you walk by faith. You live by faith, not by what you see. So as you assess your walk today, are you doing that? What is the loudest voice in your life? Is it the fear or is it the Holy Spirit? Walk by faith and not by sight let me help you here's an application on how to do it second corinthians 10:5 we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to christ Here is a simple application for walking by faith and not by sight. When your thoughts try to come and stimulate fear and stimulate anxiety and lead you down that rabbit warren of negativity, you hold that thought captive. Captive means under your control and submission, and you say, I will rebuke that and I will walk by faith and not by sight. I had to walk that out for six weeks. While I waited for the operation to confirm or the procedure that I've had that confirms there is nothing there. But I am grateful that I took a hold of it. I kept learning that when it's prompted, when it keeps crawling its way back in my mind, I would hold it captive and go, no. Some people need to start rebuking the thoughts that come into their head and hold them captive and under the will of Jesus Christ for your life. Too many people walk around being abused in their mind by the lies of the enemy. And then what happens is you wonder why you can't take authority and power. You're not holding the thoughts in submission to the will of Christ. Walk by faith and not by sight. Another time we refer to walk in scriptures in Isaiah 2.5. Next slide. It says, walk in the light. Going to quickly read it to you. That's what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judea or Judah and Jerusalem. In those days, The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. This is a good thing. What's happening? Many people will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we can walk in his path. The law will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. This is all really positive. He will judge between nations it means they're submitting to him he will settle disputes for many people they will beat their swords because they won't need them anymore into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nations will not take up sword against nation nor will they train for war anymore great promise then it says come descendants of Jacob let us walk in the light of the Lord We're going to return to that moment. Now, really, what happens is they begin to talk about what they're doing. It says, The day of the Lord, your Lord has abandoned you people, you descendants of Jacob. They are full of superstition from the east. They practice divination like the Philistines and embrace pagan customs. Their land is full of silver and gold. There is no end to their treasures. Their land is full of horses. There is no end to their chariots. Now, it sounds positive, but one sec. Their lands are full of idols. They bow down to work, to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made, so that people will be brought low and everyone humbled. Do not forgive them. Now what happens is it actually goes on in Isaiah right through to verse 22, listing all the things that they have become reliant on. That is not God. That is not God. Yahweh. So what happens one to four? It's talking about what God's gonna do, and this is amazing. This is so good. And then the prophet Isaiah is saying to them, Now come on, let us walk in the light, let us walk as God is our number one priority. Let's walk in the light and receive that. But rather, you have an arrogant dependence and reliance. On things that aren't God. And here is what's going to happen, the prophet begins to say, is that eventually that will all fall short if it's not Yahweh, if it's not God. Walk in the light. In this context, God's people are being urged to repent because their focus has gone elsewhere rather than God. We're assessing our walk today. First thing we've assessed is, are we walking In faith now I'm asking you to assess are you walking with the right priorities what happens is that between verses 6 and 22 here are the four things that are listed that they begin reliant on military reliance foreign alliances economic strength and then these pagan religious rituals The focus had been that's where our strength is now. That's what we're reliant on. And the prophet's reminding them that ain't the right priority. These things will fall short. Come on, let's walk with God in the right way and in the right manner. And let's see him move. Because when we bring this now back into our context, I thought about these things and I began to try and reflect on my own life. Military reliances is to do with practical and physical strength. My army is bigger than your army. It's stronger than your army, so I'm going to rely on that. There may be people that walk around as we assess our walk. Am I becoming more reliant on my physical ability to get things done than I am on God leading me with purpose? Foreign alliances to do with relationships. I think there are people that run after relationships as a higher priority than God. That boyfriend, girlfriend That business partner. You know, for some people, I'm going to be honest, family. Economic strength. You know, it's a real dangerous thing to have money in the bank from this perspective. You can become reliant on that strength rather than God's provision. That's why as a community we teach into generosity because it's important that we don't become reliant. Now, it is good to have money in the bank I want you to because it means you're really the principle of reaping and sowing and honouring God. You're doing the right thing, but not when it becomes what you're reliant on because then you're not walking in the light and the purpose of God. I know the plan you have for this world. I know the plan you have for my life. Religious rituals. I think about are there people here that come on a Sunday but they're not really seeking God during the week. Religion versus relationship. I know I'm speaking strong but I want you to assess your walk. I don't want us to be phony. I want us to be genuine. You know, I've been challenged by my staff, uh, as in I was talking about how God challenged me. They haven't challenged me. I mean, they can. I would be happy with it. But the focus for me, I felt the Lord challenged me about being Mary or being Martha. About do I want to be busy with the work Or do I want to be in a discipleship position at the feet of Jesus? Because your life is built from the feet of Jesus. You know, I was thinking about the demon-possessed man when uh, Christ uh, cast out the the legion and he is found in his right mind at the feet of Jesus because there's deliverance at the feet of Jesus. When you think about the woman with the issue of blood, she makes her way through the crowd. And what happens? She touched the hem of his garment. There's healing at the feet of Jesus. You see, Mary, she's being discipled at the feet of Jesus. But this all comes back to a deliberate, focused reliance on God, on Jesus. And that's what they begin to walk out. So application, Hebrews 12 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So here's the application. It says things that hinder and the sin that entangles. Hinder and the sin. That means that there can be things that aren't sin that still stop you prioritizing God. And the sin that so easily entangles. So what I would ask you to do as you reevaluate your world, Is are there things of a higher priority in the economy of your heart that come before God? Because I don't want to be like the people of Judah. I want to walk in the light of God as the priority that is, you are my number one focus, you are my number one goal, you are the one that I love the most. You are my first priority. And then walk in love. I might get Shem to come and join me. So we draw into a close. Walk in love. You know, recently we had parent-teacher interviews. We're in that stage of life. Who remembers those? So there was a bit of a common thread. I realised that my eldest daughter is a carbon copy of myself. Um, She's very interpersonally strong, is what I'll put it. But when I was in the interview, it was literally like they've, they've taken... Uh, footage of our life and my life and my personality and, and literally just put my kid's name on it, but it's me. It's me. And I started thinking about it. It's like, wow, the home environment, those that you influence, more is caught than is taught. Walk in the way of love. More is caught than is taught. It's funny now, I'm doing things a little bit different with a little bit more emphasis because now when I do something silly to make April laugh, I think to myself, do I want the kids to copy? Because they are learning from me by the way that I live. They are learning from me by my walk. It says this in scripture in Ephesians 5 1. It says, For God's example, follow God's example, follow God's example, therefore, as dear loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering to the sacrifice of God. Walk in the way of love. It says, follow God's example. So what's God's example? Well, the example is walk in the way of love. And then the benchmark is just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering to God. So follow God, walk in love. Jesus is your example. No greater love than sacrificing for someone else. You know, often as you grow, I think about now, I used to brag a lot and still continue to giggle about my first job, Hungry Jacks, you know, get a work ethic, work, work hard and $4.18 an hour. You've all heard me say it before. You know, it was a, it was a, my, I'd spend my, my work on the meal that I would eat. I even think I was going backwards actually at some point. Um, and it never used to make me put on weight. Anyway, we'll pray about that later. But, but what would happen is I, as I grew older and they realized that I would work hard, I'd, I'd be on the late shift. And I remember used to think my mum used to say, wow, you know, you'd get in the car. She's like, I'm so proud of you. I see you running around scrubbing that floor and squeegeeing it all back to the drain and you're sweating and I see you getting a drink and you're working really hard. And what I would realise is that I would work, sometimes supposed to finish at 12, we'd work to one in the morning and mum, I'd get back in the car and I'd I'd go home and she'd encourage me and I'd only do the late shifts on holidays so I could sleep in. But years later, as I reflected and I looked at my mum, $4.18 Four dollars and eighteen cents an hour, not a lot of money. Once your kids start doing stuff at night, parents that are out there, you drop them off, you go home. The moment you hit the couch, it's real hard to get them back, and it's real hard to go and get them. Because you're tired. You're like I'm on the couch. So the whole getting up and coming back to pick them up, you're trying to figure out is there a carpool system? Is there something that can go on? You know, we need maybe we gotta make some more friends with cars, you know, amen. You know, because you're thinking, I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. I'm going to do it because I want them in the right place, but I can't be bothered. And all of a sudden, as I thought about not being bothered, the Lord brought me back to my mum waiting till 1am in the morning for me to finish work. Sacrificial love. I did those late shifts on holiday so I could sleep in. My mum still had to go to work the next day. Sacrificial love. Christ provides the model. When the Bible says, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up, sacrificially. So as you assess your walk today, how are you loving people? I know we return to this as a church, but I wanna see the fruit of this in our lives. What can you do to count the cost of serving someone else and pay it yourself? The model according to Scripture is simple that Jesus loved, and we should follow that example. Romans 5 8 says this God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, even before we loved God, Christ died for us. So I would ask that as you assess your walk, to be creative in thinking of ways to love people. Thing of ways, I keep returning to, is there that neighbour that wants that conversation that you never have the time to have? And it's almost like a groan in your spirit and you're, oh man, they're out the front and I'm not going to be able to get past. That work colleague, sacrificing time. You know, we're trying to be, you want to be creative. I know that in approach to Christmas. There's a guy in our church, he's here today at Cam. He, he runs a screen printing um, company and they've got a whole bunch of extra clothing that he said, can we go and give it out to people? I'm like, yeah. You know, we begin to dream, start making a thing about it. We'll partner with the Hope Centre. We'll make a big video, train some people in evangelism and just love them. I don't know them. But if Christ died for me before I had turned back to God, the model was sacrificial love without strings attached. So as I walk and live in a society that cares more about self than others, the questions that I want you to ask yourself as you assess how you live is, do you live by faith? Do you walk in the light being God as the priority? And do you walk in love, love for one another?